the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's Arthur Idala on AM 970. The answer. This is the Arthur Idala Power Hour with quintessential New Yorker attorney Arthur Idala, New York's go-to lawyer. He's here to share his stories from in the courtroom and around the city with interviews from high-profile guests and everyday folks calling in to talk about everything from politics, lifestyle, health and wellness, and more. And now your host, making the case for the city he loves, attorney Arthur Idala. Welcome back. Welcome back to New York City. Let me tell you something. It is beautiful to be back. I mean, I loved Italy, but there's no place like home, as Judy Garland says in one of those great, great, great movies called The Wizard of Oz. Um, of all the stories that are pending out there, and there's plenty, you know, I always, always like... I'm not going to really get into Trump. Well, I have to get into Trump when he's got two cases going on in the city at the same time. Um, I was in court early this morning. I'll talk to you about all of that stuff in a second. But a story that caught my eye because it's such a iconic place dealing with such a, a silly law. A century-old Montauk Tavern is leading the charge against the East Hampton Footloose Police, who are again threatening to shut restaurants that clear the floor for patrons to dance here as the summer season begins. Now, this is this is true. I, when I, you know, I, I talk about my band, Rapid Pulse. When we were kids, there was a, a couple of places we played in where we got in trouble because the people who came to watch us got up and danced. And they said, "We, I think it's, if you only have a cabaret license, you're not allowed to, da- to have dancing. I think that's what it was. Now, that was in Manhattan. Um, the owners of Shag Wong Tavern where everyone from cops and firefighters, and I'm going to add fishermen, because there's a lot of fishermen in there in Montauk, to war heroes and luminaries like Mick Jagger and Andy Warhol have hung out and even danced, pleaded their case at a recent East Hampton Town Zoning Board of Appeals to drop the draconian no-dancing rule. Quote, there's been dancing at the Shang Wong Tavern since at least the 1940s, they said. Last summer, East Hampton officials seized on the no dancing rule to crack down on the Shang Wong and other restaurants that were not zoned as a nightclub. The town, which oversees Montauk, uh, sent in inspectors and levied heavy fines, forcing them to shutter the restaurant at the start of the summer after it lost its temporary liquor license before its officials had discovered patrons dancing. I mean... Now, Shagwang, just so those of you who are not uh, aware, it's like kind of an oldish, rundownish kind of place, like a f- awesome hole in the wall, spectacular place that you want to go to. You know, Montauk has become uh, like very cool and very hip as of late, but it was not that way it was basically a place where the fishermen went and where people would disappear to to go just go have a great time um but it's really like a gritty place and and marion and i were there on one of our first kind of like romantic encounters together and um 
at this period of time, Marianne was drinking a drink called the White Russian, uh, made famous by uh, the Big Lebowski, the dude, um, in the movie The Big Lebowski. And um, it's not really a bar where milk is involved. And in the White Russian, it's vodka, color, and milk. Uh, and so Mary and I are in the bar, this, this Shagwad bar in Montauk, and it's wintertime. I love going to Montauk in winter. I love going to places in the off season where you really get to get a flavor of it without all the tourism. And we go in there, and it's like one, two in the afternoon, and it, this this place is loaded with the fishermen, who you know they're done now for the day. It's one o'clock in the afternoon. They made their catch, and we we're sitting at the bar, and um, we go in. And I, you know, I order like a Bud Budweiser or you know something that's gonna like not you know maybe like a Pabst Blue Ribbon or Schlitz or Schaefer. Something that, you know, fits into that just Rheingold, that old school kind of scrappy fisherman stuff. And then then Marianne asks this large, older, heavyset, bearded bartender, um, sir, can I have a white Russian, please? And he looked at her like, you got to be kidding me, right, lady? But he went and got, he went in the back. He had to leave. He had to go in the back because it's also a restaurant. Um, And he had to go find the milk. And he made her a white Russian, and somehow or another, Marion adopted these fishermen who, like, these are the kind of guys who would, like, snap me in a half like a twig in, in one second because they're fishermen, and they're, they're, like, real fishermen. Like, these are the guys who are leaving at midnight. They're going out four or five hours. You know, when the sun is coming up, they're fishing, and then they come back to four or five hours back, and then they have their catch for the day. Um, but I just think it's so funny with all the insanity going on in the world, all over the world, we're writing people up for dancing. Dancing. You know, in Saturday Night Fever, when when Tony gets all upset because he, he finds the girl who he likes dancing with one of the instructors there, he gets all, he blows up. And she's like, it's just dancing, Tony. It's just dancing. Um, and it is just dancing. So maybe we could use resources, law enforcement resources, a little better than writing up hundred-year-old bars for allowing people to dance. That's why Rapid Pulse can't play in some of these gigs, because when we play, everyone wants to get up and dance. Maybe one of the places people we could use some law enforcement resources, Joan, would be on the subway so that women who are on your stop, very sadly, very seriously, don't get pushed into a moving train. Joan, tell us about that. Yeah, you know, I'm a little bit upset about this. This happened at 6 a.m. on Sunday morning, and the suspect... Kamal Samradi was arrested and charged and charged with attempted murder. Thank God, that's what he should I didn't be walk into your office. Tell them what happened after that. Tell them what happened. So this young woman, 35, waiting for the train. It was taking off. She missed missed it, so it was taking off. And a witness described he just walked over. He was holding a coffee cup and just randomly walked over to her, put his hands up palms outstretched and pushed her head into a moving train. Her face was gashed. Her head kept hitting it, apparently, and broke her spine. She just went through eight hours of... You know how passionate... I'm like, I can't tell this story without getting angry. basically been talking about this all day long. And it it is something to be angry about. Because I'm angry. Because this is my freaking subway stop. I'm sick of the I was on the F train today, Joni. I was on the F train today coming from the Eastern District of New York and Brooklyn. I just like, I want to cry over this. Her name is Emine Az... 
O Z S O Y. Very attractive. And mine, Ozoy. She's in, she had eight hours of spinal surgery. Could you imagine? Like, I just thought about this. I'm like, what if that happened to me? Like, what if I wasn't as, quote, lucky? That it just happened and the train wasn't moving. But, God, this is so scary. Well, and, you know, the subways are the lifeblood of this city. And You we got, talk about that every time. Well, because it's the truth. It's and the I, truth. I was speaking out. And how about this? I'm not going to give him up. But one of my clients, he's hiding from his wife that he's riding the subway. Because she doesn't want, she goes, I don't want you on the subway. It's too yeah. dangerous. He goes, first yeah. of all, you pay so much for a cab now, and it's you don't get there in, in the same amount of time. So, um, Well, not that, only that, but guess what? They're going to raise fares. Oh, yeah. Three, and it's going to be almost three last bucks, night it right? took me an hour to get home from Times Square waiting for a Q train because of, of track work in the evening. And I didn't have notification in advance. So not only do I have to wait and pay more, but now I'm feeling in danger. And we've talked to... Our transit friends about this, so we're going to have them back on this week because well, I want to know of transit, what's going on. How about Christopher Neely getting arrested? Tell everyone who Christopher Neely Christopher is. Christopher Neely is the outspoken uncle of Jordan Neely, who was uh, choke held and killed on the subway by Daniel Penny, and he was arrested for shoplifting or bag stealing, and he was arrested with. In his possession, a weapon as well as bags. Apparently, he, was, he, was he arrested them from restaurants. He was, he was arrested by a, a special team, an NYPD yes. pickpocket team. Yep. They identified him as a suspect for a uh, robbery pattern. Yep. And um, he jumped a turnstile to get away from him. He resisted arrest, but he was finally run down by the NYPD. You go, NYPD, at 11.15 p.m. Uh, last night. Um, he was armed with a gravity knife was carrying a number of credit and debit cards in the names of other people um, with at least one of the cards belonging to a Midtown victim. So, I mean, if this doesn't piss you off, I don't know what, what does. There's that- not much lately that's not pissing me off regarding our, our system. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's these are the people who are screaming up and down that um, Penny doesn't deserve a plea and he has to be held to the highest standards of the law and he's got to go to jail. And here this guy is. He's an absolute criminal. There's no doubt about it. He's caught. He's running away. He's resisting arrest. He's jumping turnstiles. He's caught. With a, he's got a gravity knife on him that's illegal and got other people's credit cards on him. And these are the people that they want justice. Okay. Okay, Uncle, Uncle Neely. Okay, yeah. Christopher, 44 years old. Mm-hmm. How about... How about we give you some justice, all right? Well, and there's another, you know, talk about, we always talk about the bail and the jails and stuff. An ex-con on life parole for rape is charged in a new sexual assault on a 10-year-old. So what is going on? I don't know. Well, Aren't you glad you went away? Well, I am glad I went away. We're going to talk about that towards the end of the show. <laughs> um, I want to come back and talk a little law. Um, I want to talk to you about um, what happened in court today with President Trump in New York court. I want to talk about the uh, the new documents that were filed in the civil court and the civil case with President Trump. And um, then we're going to come back. We're going to talk a little bit about what's going on in New York City with uh, with our man Tom Harris. It is a Tuesday today, right, Joan? Yeah, because I'm kind of getting the Tom Harris. Sorry, Times Square Tuesday. Tuesday. Yeah. We have a lot of updates from Tom um, as well. And uh, and then I could see I could see Imran Imi Imi is here. That's Nick Imran's nickname. Imi and John Esposito is here. They 
They were away with me in Italy. They both survived. John Esposito's critique of the itinerary was that the, the trip was too short. Then he said it was way too short. Uh, I'm not sure my liver could have handled uh, any more time in Italy. But Imi uh, was, uh, he was working hard when we were there and uh, on a lot of different fronts. He was doing a lot of research on cults, C-U-L-T-S in general, because they were involved in some cult cases. But uh, today, in uh, even though this is off of uh, Born to Run, today in 1978, Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band kicked off their 117th 117 show Darkness Tour, Darkness on the Edge of Town, in Buffalo, New York, where Mike Jacarino is from. Um, we had a great, great, great time. I'm happy to be back. We'll come back. We'll talk a little law. We'll talk a little Times Square. Then I'll tell you what my trip was like. So don't go away. We'll be right back. This is Dennis Prager. Now you can listen to my show when it's convenient for you and without censorship from big tech, become a member of the ultimate online community for all things Prager. It's PragerTopia Unlimited. Listen to the show on demand when it's easiest for you. This includes every radio show, every segment, and every guest over the last 10 years, and it's commercial free. You can even share your favorite segments with your friends. Plus, you'll get the same email from Alan Estrin that I receive every night about the most important issues to read about. Pragertopia Unlimited members can also listen to every program, lecture, and course that is in the Prager store. Thousands of hours. You can even listen to all my Torah teachings for free. Share my passion for free speech. Join today and save 25% off the first year and get a free Pragertopia coffee mug. It's all things Prager, Pragertopia Unlimited. Go to Pragertopia.com or click the banner at DennisPrager.com. We all know that planning for the future is important. Are you and your family protected? If you're not around to make the decisions, who will? We're going to attend a Connors & Sullivan free seminar and have all of your questions answered by Mike Connors himself. Monday, June 19th at Buckley's Restaurant at Avenue S in Sheepshead Bay, Brooklyn, New York, at 11 a.m. and 3 p.m. On Tuesday, June the 20th at DeLuca's Trattoria, 616 Forest Avenue, Staten Island, New York, 11 a.m. and 3 p.m. Wednesday, June 21st at the Greenhouse Cafe and 3rd Avenue in Brooklyn, New York, 3 p.m. and 7 p.m. And on Thursday, June the 22nd at Conley's Corner, Grand Avenue in Maspeth, Queens at 3 p.m. and 7 p.m. And finally, Friday, June the 23rd, the Adria Hotel on Northern Boulevard in Bayside, Queens at 11 a.m. and 3 p.m. Just call Connors & Sullivan at 238-6500, 718-238-6500 for your own free office appointment, 718-238-6500. And remember, folks, what Mike Connors always says, the biggest mistake when it comes to estate planning is not planning at all. Listen to AM970, The Answer, on Alexa. Tune in, iHeart, or odyssey.com. It's around 11 p.m. and about was it 48 hours ago? That's what that's exactly the song uh, Bruce Springsteen was playing. Tenth Avenue Freeze Out. That was the second to the last song that he played, and boy did he tear the house down. But we'll talk about it at the end of the show. Um, what I want to talk about is what happened today in um, 100 Center Street, which is the 
primary criminal courthouse here in Manhattan. There's one photograph I could see, which is very interest, um, which is very interesting because it shows you the courtroom scene today, um, where I believe one of uh, the president's lawyers, Susan Necklace, was in the courtroom, and then another lawyer, Todd Blanche, was with the president, I believe, in Florida. Uh, the, the president and Todd are on a big, um, big video screen. President Trump does not look very happy. And I understand why. I mean, when you go from being the president of the United States to being told by an acting Supreme Court judge, and I'm not belittling anyone, you know, what you can do, what you can't do, what you can say, what you can't say. You must be thinking like, bro, I had the codes to blow up the whole world if I wanted to. And now you're going to tell me what I'm allowed to say, what I'm not allowed to say. Um, There is also, in this photograph, there's the picture of the district attorney's office. You have four women sitting at the table. Um, Basically, the four prosecutors looking at President Trump or looking to prosecute President Trump. I don't know what a great look that is. I could also see my friend uh, Christine Cornell, who's the courtroom artist. She's in this one photograph as well. It's the only picture I saw. But basically, the um, there's something called protective orders, and they become more and more common. I actually have one pending right now in that same courthouse. We are objecting to how um, strict the prosecutor wants to make the protective order. And a protective order is simply... The prosecutor saying to all parties, including the judge, look, we're going to turn over these documents, this evidence. Sometimes it's sometimes it's video. Sometimes it's audio. <clears throat> sometimes it's um, the written word. And for the above reasons, we don't want sometimes they don't want the lawyer to even share it with the client. Other times they only want the lawyer to share it with the client in the lawyer's office. Um, other times you could share it with the client, but the client can't share it with anyone else. Um, and they have to give a, a, they have to articulate a reason why this is. So we're afraid, um, witnesses are going to be tampered with. We're afraid witnesses will be intimidated in some form or another. Um, this is going to jeopardize our, our investigation or our trial, or there's an ongoing investigation, but they have to just articulate. They can't just say, judge, we don't want them to share it with anyone else just because that, you know, you can't do that. Um, so in president Trump's case, they are saying that, and I know, cause I spoke to Mr. Tacopina about this at one point, they said, well, president Trump could only look at the evidence in his lawyer's office. And they're like, well, that's crazy because all, his lawyers are all, their offices are all in New York and, and the president is primarily in Florida. So I know that they were fighting that. Um, I think ultimately now what what has come down to is that, well, I'll tell you what happened today in court, but I just want to tell you, it is not typical for a judge, at least it hasn't happened to me, where a judge puts a case on only to tell the client here, the defendant, what he or she can or cannot say or share about the evidence. Typically, it is the the onus is on the the lawyer to tell his client, all right, there's a protective order here, and here's what you can say, well, here's what you can't say, here's what you can look at, here's what you can't look at, here's what you can share with people, here's what you can't share with people. The onus is on the attorney. But here, the prosecution, uh, prosecuting President Trump, uh, they were able to convince Judge Merchant to, excuse me, Mershon, to um, 
have him actually kind of read the riot act to some degree to President Trump himself. Again, <clears throat> that's never happened to me. Um, sometimes if there's a regular appearance for something else, the judge may say, and Mr. Idala, remind your client about the protective order in place. Yes, Your Honor, we'll do so. Or Mr. Idala, have you reviewed it with your client? Yes, Your Honor, we have. But here the judge called a special session. We thank God for the whole city and, and our city budget. He allowed the president to um, appear virtually because it's so expensive when he comes to town. All the the amount of uh, law enforcement, et cetera, that needs to be thrown at him. Um, so the judge said that um, he's limiting what the president can say regarding the actual evidence itself, regarding his... Um, the specific evidence or specific witnesses in the case. He says, I'm not going to allow you to talk about that um, on social media or otherwise. Quote, violating the court order may result in sanctions. What is sanctions? So I asked Judge Kamins, you know, what would happen here if, if Trump actually violates? And he goes, well, probably the first time he would just call him in and berate him and say, I'm giving you one warning. If you do this again, I, I have the power to put you in jail. Could you imagine that? He also has the power to fine him. Um, I don't think the fine is going to be too big of a deal. <clears throat> um, it says here, I'm reading now a, an account, Trump was visibly perturbed at times during the short appearance. Appearing on a massive screen wearing a red tie with blue and white stripes, Trump was seated next to his lawyer, Todd Blanche, who told Mershon that Trump was concerned his First Amendment rights were being violated as he launches his bid for re-election. And Blanche told the judge, I have made it clear that this is not your intention. And then the judge agreed. He said, it's not my intention to appeal in any way with Mr. Trump's campaign for president of the United States. Um, Trump appeared most perturbed as the judge told him to clear his schedule for future court dates. One is going to be in January, including the setting of a trial date on March 25th, 2024. He shook his head and threw his head up slightly when his legal team discussed his next court appearance and spoke to his lawyer sitting next to him. But the video was muted. So no one can hear what, what, what he said. Now, of course, the president wasted no time to going on public, to going on social media saying, quote, just had New York County Supreme Court hearing where I believe my First Amendment rights, freedom of speech have been violated and they forced upon us a trial date of March 25th, right in the middle of primary season. Well, I don't know about they forced it upon you, but it it's not. Really that atypical. Um, his arrest was, I believe, April 2nd. This is a year later. That's kind of standard operating procedure time. I bet you if you looked and you probably find out what the the statistics are from arrest to trial or arrest to disposition, it's probably right around a year for a felony in Manhattan. So that's basically what's happening here. Um, it will be um, interesting to see how... The president reacts to this protective order. I mean, he seems to have abided by it at this point, but he probably doesn't even know what all the evidence is that they're turning over. It's primarily against uh, Michael Cohen and um, Stormy Daniels. I don't know. You could maybe could throw a little Michael Avenatti in there if he was involved at all. But uh, so the president was told by an acting Supreme Court judge, and I will verify this, but usually an acting Supreme Court judge is a judge who is appointed by the mayor 
And then after a certain period of time of getting certain experience, he's elevated by the courts to what's called an acting Supreme Court judge, as opposed to a Supreme Court judge who is elected. A Supreme Court judge is elected. A court of claims judge is appointed by the governor. So there are several court of claims judges that are appointed by the governor, and they they take the bench not as a lower court judge. They take the bench as a Supreme Court judge. Whereas an acting Supreme Court judge takes the bench as a criminal court judge, a lower court judge that handles misdemeanors and does the arraignments. Misdemeanors are crimes that are punishable by no more than one year in prison. So Judge Marchant was originally a criminal court judge, and then he was elevated to an acting Supreme Court judge. It doesn't have really impede his power at all, but in the, the inside baseball is if you're elected Supreme Court, you're kind of the got you're the most powerful one. If you're a court of claims judge, you're appointed by the governor. You're like second in line. And if you're an acting Supreme Court judge, um, you're acting. And that that title can be taken away from you at any time for any reason. Um, I know judges who were acting Supreme Court judges and they didn't do enough trials. They didn't do enough cases or they upset the administrative judge. He said, you know what? You know, I'm no longer an acting. I'm putting you back down to criminal court. Um, You can't do that with a Supreme Court judge. You can't do that with a court of claims judge. Um, so I'll begin, I'll end where I began regarding this. So there you are, you're Donald Trump. You are the president of the United States and you have someone who, and I should know the answer to this, but my guess is he was probably judge Mershon was probably appointed by mayor Bloomberg. Um, cause he hasn't been around long enough to be appointed by mayor Giuliani. So he was probably appointed by mayor Bloomberg and then elevated from criminal court judge to an acting Supreme court judge. And now this judge is telling um, the former president of the United States, the leading candidate to be the nominee of the Republican Party, basically what he can do, what he can't do, what he can't say, what he can't say, where he has to be on a particular date. And that must be very um, troubling for Mr. Trump's ego at the very least. And, uh, you know, Mr. Trump could not, uh, President Trump, of course, was going to react to the civil court verdict. Um, from two weeks ago, where he referred to E. Jean Carroll as a whack job, which is basically what he got, con- <laughs> he got, con- what he was found liable for in the in the trial. Um, at the trial, they said, well, that was worth three million dollars worth of damage versus the two million dollars for the the top the touching. So now they uh, made some kind of a motion to the judge who Judge Kaplan, who definitely seemed to be a, a pro-plaintiff judge, and um, said that um, he just did it again, Judge, so let's double the uh, the penalty from $5 million to $10 million. I do not know enough about the civil um, punitive system, because they're looking for this as like a punitive measure, whether a, a judge has the power to do that or a jury is the one that has to do that. So I don't know if they have to bring another suit or not. But as of right now, it's just a motion to Judge Kaplan, who presided over the civil suit, where the jury said, we're going to give $2 million for the sexual touching and $3 million for the um, for the defamation. There's new defamation here, so they want, they want to pile on. Some people call this a money grab. I call it more of an attention grab. Um, I think if you look at the history of this case and the history of the E. Jane Carroll situation. You had someone who was in the spotlight, someone who was in the limelight, and that spotlight and that limelight is very addictive. 
Um, there was a, a, an article in the New York Times recently about Senator Dianne Feinstein and how it's too hard for her to give up her um, power even though her health is failing and how addictive that is, uh, everything that comes with being a United States senator. Well, there's a lot that comes to being a, a television star as well that all of a sudden gets pulled away from you. Or, or, or She was pretty well known for a while here, and that was all gone, and now she's a star again. But every day that goes by since that verdict day, her star diminishes a little bit. So now she has an opportunity to make the star shine again. Um, her, her attorney, Roberta Kaplan, um, file the paperwork for her. She would not file a frivolous document, so I'm sure there's some legal standing to add the uh, add to the final judgment. But it's Trump cases all around here in Lower Manhattan. I'm going to come back and talk uh, about talk to Tom Times Square Tom, and then we're going to talk a little about uh, about Italy. I'll give you an update from Italia. And I want to thank Christine Nicholas, Joe Pirelli, Matt Mary, and of course Joni for filling in for me last week. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back on the other side of the hour. So let me ask you: Would you like a career in the legal field, making great money? without having to go to law school and incurring all that debt? One that allows you the flexibility to choose where you work, for whom, and how frequently. Well, there's this high-powered and lucrative career that you really need to know about. It's called court reporting. Court reporters and captioners are in higher demand than ever before. Court systems, schools, and television stations are all looking for these professionals to record and caption everything from depositions to court cases to live events. The NCRA has partnered up with Plaza College to offer a free two-week virtual seminar that gives you a glimpse into the world of court reporting and captioning. The program is called A to Z and is being offered free and can be completed from the convenience of your home. Sign up today by emailing info at plazacollege.edu. That's info, I-N-F-O, at plazacollege.edu. Hello, this is John Leventhal. I am a partner in the law firm of Idala, Bertuna & Kamins. I have been a lawyer for 43 years, including 13 years as a trial judge and 13 years as an appellate judge. I have presided over almost every kind of civil and criminal case, and I have seen litigants facing almost every legal problem you can imagine. What is the most important thing for a litigant to do? It is to obtain the right lawyer, someone with the ability to navigate you through the court system and achieve the best possible outcome. At Idala Bertuna and Cammons, that is what we offer. When I was on the bench, Idala Bertuna and Cammons earned the reputation of being the boutique law firm that fights passionately for their clients in the most professional manner in both civil and criminal cases. I am proud to be a member of the Idala Bertuna and Cammons law firm, where our lawyers will give you the powerful representation you all deserve. Hi, it's Arthur Idala, and I am in love with my shiny, bald, smooth head. Hemp Leaf products are made with all natural ingredients and essential oils to bring you comfort and relief and keep you looking young. Hemp Leaf is the next big thing in skin and body care. The whipped body butters and creams leave my skin feeling soft, smooth, hydrated, giving my aging skin the nourishment it needs to stay young and healthy. Their liquid black soap glides on, leaving 
making my skin soft, crisp, and clean. They also have this amazing muscle rub called Icy Pot. The guys at Hemp Leaf also gave me samples of a remarkable neuropathy cream called Helixer that I gave to Marianne, and she uses it on her heels. She said it's been nothing short of a miracle. Within minutes, it soothes her aching feet. Remember, they don't put anything on your body that you wouldn't put in it. Visit them at HempLeaf.com. That's Hemp, H-E-M-P-L-I-E-F.com. Mention the name Arthur at checkout, and you'll receive 10% off. Listen to us online at am970theanswer.com. Tune in, iHeart, Alexa, or odyssey.com. We're back to the Arthur Idala Power Hour with New York City's preeminent trial attorney and quintessential New Yorker, attorney Arthur Idala. I said... Yes, the boys are back in town. Idala, Sabella, Imran, we call him Imi, and uh, Esposito. Wow, it was, uh, it was a whirlwind. It was really, it almost seems like a dream now that I'm back. Before we go to Tom Harris, I just want to, so, you know, there is this thing called jet lag, I guess, but I don't, I'm not allowed to have it. Um, basically, I, I we, we landed yesterday after an unbelievable time. It didn't involve a ton of sleep, but, you know, there was some sleep in there because I don't want to, like, waste time sleeping when I'm in Italy. I want to waste time, like, eating and drinking and going to Bruce Springsteen concerts, etc. Um, but um, I get home, and there's Arthur, home from school, ready to go to the, to the playground with Daddy. That's 4 p.m. New York time. That's 10 p.m. Italy time. Um, and then we're going to go to the playground. We're going to ride bikes. We're going to throw the football. Is his friend Oliver. We're going to all run around. So that was interesting. And then mommy says, why don't we go to dinner? So now it's 6 o'clock. We're going to go to dinner. Now it's midnight my time. And we go to dinner until whatever, 7, 7.30. And boy, at 9 o'clock when I hit the pillow, I was a happy camper. Of course, I had a federal sentencing on. And for those who don't understand the whole system, which is most of us, um, unlike a state sentencing where a person pleads guilty and then the, the sentencing is really just a rubber stamp, like you know what the answer is going to be when you walk in there. When you plead in state court, the district attorney's office, your part of your plea bargain is your sentence is included. You know what your sentence is going to be. When you plead in federal court, the judge determines what your sentence is going to be. You do not negotiate that with the prosecutors. The only thing you negotiate with the prosecutors in federal court is a range of what the sentence could be, and then you're always trying to make that a lower sentence. So today, uh, I had a, a very important case on. It was a single mom with a young boy at home, and I had to go in there. Uh, and it was interesting because, okay, it was 10 in the morning, but it was... Four in the afternoon, Italy time. So it's like you have this weird feeling of feeling it's later than you feel like your body feels like it is. I know it's 10 o'clock, but why do I want to eat like a, a big panini right now uh, at 10 o'clock in the morning? But we got through that very well. We got a great result for the client. She got probation. She got no jail time. She cried like a baby before, during, and after. I got hugs and kisses and I love Danita, and I'll always be grateful, and I'll bring you chocolate every um, every Christmas time. Thank you for my son. It was really a wonderful experience. And then I got on the train, and I get here, and it's like, oh, I can tell you what time. It was 10 to 12, 
and I'm really, really hungry. So I'm like, because now it's 6 o'clock at night, Italy time. And so I go, all right, I'm just going to get, because I ate a lot. I said, I'm just going to get a thing of chicken soup, and I'm going to come to the office. I get a thing of chicken soup. As I'm walking down the uh, street, Joni calls me. Where are you? Oh, I'm walking down the street. Oh, great. I'll be right there. So Joni comes down and says, Fox 5 is here, and they're going to interview you about what's happening with President Trump on the protective order. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> Give me your hat. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. I should have had the powder ready. Joan, let me ask something. How caffeinated were you when I saw you? Guess what? I know. Not at all. Okay, how, ho- how hopped me. up were you? How hopped up were you? I was hopped up because I had to you in She a runs. Week. No, you weren't excited. even hopped up with me. You were hopped up with what's, who's the young lady who interviewed me for Fox 5? It was uh, Morgan. Morgan McKay. Yes. Fabulous, so, fabulous. Uh, you run over to Morgan. You're like, well, we could do the interview here on Fifth Avenue. Or there's a really great marble wall on the book. And we get. You were like not ready for Joni energy. I was like, I go, Joan. But you had Arthur energy last night. Joan, we're gonna go slow down a little bit. Slow down. We're gonna try decaf. So then we did a we did a great little interview on the street about protective orders. You've done like three things prior to me too. Yeah, it was probably on at five o'clock, something like that. Yeah, I spoke to my friend Sid on the radio earlier in the, the morning so basically i landed i did two media interviews of federal sentencing before noon so um yeah things and have then been... you came here and everyone hit you and, and then you i came here and i had two, three, and... three different clients it's... and i try to wrangle you and for I the have, show. and i have band practice tonight so it's crazy but let's talk to our friend who i've kept on hold too long i'm sorry tom don't be mad at me we'll extend him a little it's tuesday so let's talk to tom harris hello tom it's arthur idala Great to speak to you. Welcome back. Joni and I talked about this, and you haven't been on the radio in nine days, so we knew that I wasn't going to be able to talk much tonight. Uh, No, 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 no. That's not true at all. So I've been away, so uh, you have to tell me, you know, I was at the equivalent to Times Square in Milan, in Florence, in Rome. So tell me what's going on in the – I can tell you what's going on in the Times Squares of Italy – Although there is no Times Square in Italy. I guess exactly. the closest maybe maybe the, the closest is there's this one piazza in Rome, um, which is, well, there's actually two huge ones. And they, they're connected by a big street called Via del Corso. It's uh, the, well, anyway, before I get into my Italy thing, let me give it to Tom Harris. Tom, tell me what's going on in the real Times Square. That's right. There is only one Times Square, and we have a fantastic week ahead of us with programming in Times Square. I just left the DJ set in the Broadway Plaza. Tomorrow night we have live music with Russian Samovar, a great restaurant in Times Square. Thursday we have jazz at Lincoln Center in Times Square. And Friday is the Alvin, uh, uh, the um, Ailey extension that's going to do a Zumba workshop in Times Square. And let's not forget that this is Fleet Week. So oh, that's cool. Yep, we're going to have the Navy and the Marines in Times Square beginning tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow night, the Marine Corps band is going to play. The Silent Drill Platoon is going to perform. And Wednesday, Thursday. Friday and Saturday, we're going to have a lot of military events. And let's remember that this is Memorial Day weekend. And while most people think that this is just a three-day weekend, this is a day that we honor the men and women who died while serving in the United States military. So while you're having your barbecue next Monday, just think about those who allowed you to have that barbecue. I'm so I'm so happy you brought that up, Tom, because, you know, um, yesterday, I don't know, you were able to hear me when you were on hold, right? 
You, we will hear what yeah. I'm talking about. But so yesterday I was with my my son Arthur, who's six years old in the park, and his friend Oliver was there as well, and his Oliver's mom was there, and we were talking about this weekend. I said, you know, it's a three day weekend. I said, you know, you have any plans? It's, I said, it's Memorial Day, and God bless my six year old. He was like climbing up a monkey bar, and he just stopped and he turned and he looked at me, and he said, Dad, what's Memorial Day? And you know, his his friend is Oliver's five, and you know you got to take it a little easy, right? You got to take a little mustard off the hot dog. I don't want to be like, well, it's for all the all the soldiers who died or killed. But I basically wound up saying that in a little bit of a nicer way. I said, we're going to take a little time, and we're going to think about the men and women who fought for this country uh, in many different ways to make us so that we, you and I could come on the monkey bars in, in the, um, in the park and we could go eat dinner with mommy and they give us the freedom of, of living the kind of life that we did. And that's, that's what we're going to honor on Monday. And so thank you for bringing it up. I appreciate it. Yeah. And I, I, I just want to also give, give credit to the power hour because once again, last Tuesday, the Midas touch 458,000 people. Wow in Times Square. Uh, and I truly believe that this has something to do with it. So I, <laughs> thank you, Tom. I appreciate that. Let me ask you something. Uh, we got two minutes left, but I, obviously there's so much about migrants being in the news and people, you know, coming here um, and which, you know, I know it creates a lot of problems. I know Eric Adams is losing his mind over it, but it's also a tremendous compliment to this country that people are willing to basically risk their lives and leave everything behind to come here. Has it affected the Times Square area at all? No, and I'll I'll just be you know the, these are the facts. We have four uh, four buildings, three hotels, and one building on Forty Second Street that house the asylees. Uh, really not one major complaint, little minor complaints about, about garbage, but that's to be expected. And uh, honestly, if you walk by these places, you would not even know that they were there. Okay. Listen, that's great. I mean, you know, the, I, I'm right down the block from the Roosevelt Hotel, and I know they started sh- uh, putting people over there in that beautiful uh, room when you first walk in with that big chandelier. They have a ballroom in there. I just hope people take care of it. You know, realize the gift that be, they're being given by this citizen, by the citizens of this city, and they take they take advantage of it, and the, but they also take care of it. Mayor Adams has been put in a horrible position. I think he's doing a great job under the circumstances, and we all really need to contact our federal elected officials and ask them to do more. We need a national strategy. It shouldn't just be it. It, it shouldn't just fall on. Texas and New York City. I hear you loud and clear. All right, Tom, we appreciate it. Thanks for Fleet Week. Should be great. And uh, just keep Times Square buzzing. Times Square Tuesday with Tom Harris. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back right after this message. Are you considering a unique way to enhance your investment knowledge this year? Then sign up today for the all-inclusive Eagle Financial Publications Cruise. Along with our trusted partner, The Money Show, we're setting sail this December to explore some of the most beautiful and unspoiled destinations in the Caribbean. But this is no ordinary vacation. It's a chance to learn from top Eagle financial experts like best-selling authors George Gilder, Mark Skousen, and others who will be hosting a series of workshops and seminars throughout the trip. Imagine lounging on the sun deck while discussing investment strategies with like-minded individuals. Or enjoying a gourmet dinner at the same table with one of our leading financial authorities. 
This once-in-a-lifetime cruise is a perfect way to combine education and relaxation to achieve your investment goals. This cruise will sell out quickly, so visit EagleFinancialCruise.com today to learn more and to secure your cabin. That's EagleFinancialCruise.com. Eagle Financial is a division of Salem Media Group. Perillo Tours is starting their 78th year in business with vacations to Italy and now Hawaii, Spain, and Greece, too. I want you to join Joe Piscopo, our very own Joe, on a special Perillo tour to Italy. Steve Perillo and Joe have put together a very special Rome and Sicily customized tour. Three nights in Rome, plenty of time to see the most important sites, and a private, fun-filled dinner performance by Joe Piscopo. Next, you fly to Sicily for three nights in Taromina with special day trips along the coast, including Savoca, Forza de Argo, for sites of actual filming events from the iconic movie The Godfather. A wonderful wine tasting at Mount Etna, and then on to Palermo for three additional nights before flying home. The tour dates are October 18th to 28th. Call Perillo Tours at 1-800-431-1515. 1-800-431-1515 or visit perillotours.com. Kevin McCullough is next on AM 970. The Answer. Hey, hey Mambo, Mambo Italiano. Hey, hey Mambo, Mambo Italiano. Go, go, go. Here we go. Well, I didn't go to uh, I didn't go to Calabria, the Calabreses. I we stayed up north. We did Milan, Ferrara, Florence, and Rome. So we kind of made our way slowly down the boot from cl- pretty close to the top, of Milan, to right in the middle, which is Rome. Um, a few highlights just to make you laugh for the AM970 listeners. I don't even think Joni knows about this yet. A person who calls into the show um, and uh, has been a commentator, and uh, but who listens to the show often, is a good friend of mine who was on the trip, Mr. Bitter. So we... He was on the trip. Mr. Bitter was on the trip. So wait, you got to hear this, ready, Joni? So this particular, we had just gotten there, and I don't know why, but Mr. Bitter and I were all alone walking through the streets of Milan, it was relatively early, I think around lunchtime, but we were all alone. I guess we hadn't hooked up with Mike Sabella yet, wasn't there yet. Oh, I know why. Espo and Noah said they were going to take a nap. See, now when you get there, that's the last thing I do. I do the buzz management thing. So the first thing I do after I get into my hotel, I went and I did it with Bitter, and I got an Espray uh, Cafe Corretto, which means a corrected coffee. And then they ask you, how would you like us to correct it? And then you tell them what kind of booze you want you to put in the coffee. So I started off, it was, I think, 11.30 a.m. Italy time, 5.30 a.m. New York time. And I had a Cafe Corretto with Vecchia Romana, which is a, um, it's an Italian brandy. And that was it. Bitter and I were off to the races. The other two guys went and took a nap. Uh, we had a catch up with Sabella, who wasn't there yet. And Imran, Imi, he was coming on a train from, from, um, Florence, where he had already been, he got there a couple of days early to spend time with his mom. And as we're walking, and I know Milan very, very well, so I'm walking to one of my favorite shoe stores to peruse. Did you buy? And I didn't buy there. I wanted to buy in Florence. I go, you're going to die when I tell you this. I walk up to the window, and there's a guy, and he kind of turns around, and he looks at me, and his eyes open up, and he, like, there's definitely recognition. And I think before he says anything to me, I say to him, I go, do I know you? He goes, you're Arthur Idala. And now Dave, David Bitter is just like, like, what's going on here? 
And I go, how do I know you? He goes, I listen to you every night what? on the Power Hour. Wait, is my mic on? Yes, your mic oh, is on. What and are you Spr- talking about? And Bitter's like. Who is this? Bitter's like, you. his name is Neil. Uh, he's from, I'm pretty sure, yes, he, he started in Brooklyn, then he went to Staten Island, and then he moved to Jersey. What are the And he odds? was there on a tour, and he's like, I listen to you every night, and and then I, he made a little sweet remark. He's like, I, I think you're great, and he goes, my heart is fluttering right now, and David Bitter was like losing his mind. <laughs> I mean, he thought I like paid this guy to do this. Then we took a couple of pictures together. You better uh, give me one of those pictures. You it know was, I it was that. It was really very, very special, and it was very that cool to be amazing. in the middle of a and someone's talking about the power hour. But um It reaches did, the world. That's it. So we did Milan where we saw my friend Massimo. Then we drove and that was that was the first you night. Have a restaurant? The, well we're doing more like catering now than restaurants okay. because Italy got hit pretty hard during the um They got hit first. Uh, yes. And uh during the, the pandemic and, and so things have changed there a lot. Um there's still not as many tour they, it, it Florence is packed. Milan, uh, who's able to take up to the roof? Was it Noah? I forget. Some no. I already went up with Noah. I, I don't know. But the the gorgeous part of Milan is the Duomo of Milan, and we got to go up on the roof and walk around and see the the sights of Milan. That night we had a great dinner. The next day we got on a, a bus, uh, not a bus, a train, and then a taxi, and we went to the town of Ferrara, where um, Joe Tacopina owns the the soccer team. We had some just some sandwiches, and then we went and to see Springsteen that night. The thing is, around Ferrara, there were tremendous floods, tremendous rains and floods, and people died. Yes. And apparently, it was even in the papers here in America that people felt Springsteen should have canceled the concert, and even like soccer games should have been. I think thirteen people died, but they did not cancel the concert. But um, we were in without exaggerating, like three inches of water, standing in three inches of water, which wasn't a lot of fun. Um, but the the show was great. We were a little further back than I know Mr. Tecopino wanted us to be. At the, towards the end, he got us a little closer, but we had a great time. And what, what he did have was he had transportation for us in and out of the whole, and those, the, it's very hard getting in and out of these events. Um, but we, re, you know, I really enjoyed Bruce. Um, what we, oh, oh, then afterwards, Tacopina had a whole dinner set up for us. I mean, we were out until like 3 in the morning um, eating and, and eating gelato, and we had a, lo- a very much a lot of fun. And we were in this like off-the-beaten-path hotel in this little town called Ferrara. Um, Imran got lost along the way. Esposito had to go find him. Um, and then the next day, we went to Florence. We went, and, and when we got to Florence, yeah, Florence is full of tourists. What's your favorite Florence, city in Italy? You know, I was, I always, it was, I always goes back between Rome and Florence, but Florence has gotten so packed with tourists, so packed with tourists that it's, even my buddy Lino, who was there, we had, you know, he's lived there for 40 years now. You know, he even said it's like annoying is there's just so many tourists, mm-hmm. um, but it's a beautiful town. And that's where we met up with Josh Hanshaft, Judge Josh, and, um, my buddy Thierry. Now, my buddy Thierry Venturas, he and I studied in Florence in 1984. 
And he lives in Switzerland. He drove like eight hours from Geneva, Switzerland, down to Florence. And that night we ate uh, with Lino in a steakhouse. And it was, you know, the the Bisteca Fiorentina. And we it was fantastic. The next day, Thierry and I and Imran, Immi, we drove <laughs> we drove to Rome. The other guys took a uh, a train because Thierry had his car, and I wasn't gonna go on the train and let him drive alone, which was great. We had a very interesting conversation about euthanasia because they have that in Switzerland, mm. and in fact, Thierry's mother asked him wow. to do that, and he told Imran and I the whole story was. A half an hour conversation I'm not going to forget anytime soon. And then we went to Rome. And Saturday in Rome, we were all kind of licking our wounds a little bit because the Milan-Ferrara-Florence trifecta was pretty tough. I mean, we were going to bed 2, 3 o'clock every night. It like you hit it pretty hard. But so we took it kind of easy. Like, I guess Saturday night in Rome, we went to bed at like 1 a.m. as opposed to 3 a.m. And then Sunday, we were up and we were kind of raring to go. And Saturday night, though, in Rome, we ate at a a restaurant called uh, Porta de Ripetta, where I've sent so many people and we had an unbelievable meal. And then Sunday afternoon, we ate outside of Piazza San Ignacio at a restaurant called Da, Da Sabatino, where we just had three different plates of pasta. Um, but the, the meal before Porta de Ripetta was off the charts, spectacular. And walking around Rome at night is unbelievable. And the beautiful part was Springsteen was playing in Circus Cir- Cir- Maximus, which is right next to the Colosseum. Mm-hmm. There were 150,000 people. Is that bigger than MSG? It's MSG. Like how much is, than MSG? MSG has like 19,000. Okay. So this is 150,000. Like, <laughs> it's as big as the Giants zero. Stadium. At right. zero. Wow. And we, we had tickets, thanks to my friend Alan Grubman. We had tickets way up front. First, we were in a VIP tent. We were drinking, and they had food for us. And then when we went in, and we were close, and they had, it was still a little soggy, the ground, but we had, we were on a platform. And even Esposito, who doesn't even know, he calls Bruce Springsteen Jerry Springer. He said that show was unbelievable. Bruce knew what was going on. There was a difference between the two shows. And Rome is Rome. Sting was there. We saw Chris Rock. We saw Woody Harrelson. They were all like, they were actually behind us. We were closer to the stage. And it was absolutely fantastic. I have videos of us jumping up and down and screaming like little kids. We're all in our 50s and 60s. Well, Imran, who was in his 40s. Um, Noah Broadbar, my buddy from college, was there. I literally had college, law school, high school, as I know Thierry from. I mean, and Bruce just... He knocked it out of the park for 73 years old. And, you know, we all work so hard. And, of course, we want to take care of our families and be financially responsible. But you know what, folks? Every once in a while, you got to do something a little crazy. you got to just do it. And we did it, and we went for it. And it's a trip that none of us will ever, 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 ever forget. So thank you for everyone for filling in. I appreciate it. Bruce Springsteen, thank you for giving us an excuse to all get away. And uh, we'll be back tomorrow. All right, folks, happy Tuesday. We'll see you on Wednesday. Have a great one. The Arthur Idala Power Hour is sponsored by Idala Bertuna and Cammons. 
Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.